When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the Camp No. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of the show with myself, Dan Hilton, joined alongside Frances Tomas across the ocean. If you've got an iPhone, please subscribe to the show via iTunes. If you've got an Android, it's Google Play and, of course, Spotify on either. Five stars is great, and you can help us out on Patreon as well. We're also on Twitter, at the Barcelona Pod, or myself, at HiltonD13, and on Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod, to... As you've noticed over the last few weeks, we're getting a little more fan engagement on social media and get a part of the Barcelona podcast conversation. It's flourishing right now. Frances, what's going on today? Lots going on today. Obviously, we seem to have signed a Brazilian player that no one thought was ever going to leave Liverpool. And we seem to have paid up a lot of money for him. And today in La Gran Pregunta, we're going to cover the question, what will Coutinho add to Barcelona? After that, I had the pleasure of being joined by Asaya from the Barcelona Football Blog uh, for an interview that you really shouldn't miss and I can't wait to share with you. And after that is the listener questions. We got so many this week, which is great. I'm really thankful for them. And we'll try and answer them all at the end of the program. The Barcelona Podcast 56 starts right here. La Gran Pregunta, what would Coutinho add to Barcelona and what he adds, he's going to have to add for 160 million euro or 120 plus variables. But to break down some of those variables, 5 million euro come after 25 appearances, 20 million euro after 100 appearances, 
$5 million for each of the first two seasons Barcelona qualify for Champions League, and $5 million if Barca wins the Champions League. So, of course, if Barcelona win the Champions League, that's the one that's probably the hardest of all of them. Coutinho only 25 on a five-year deal, should be around for a while, so most likely we'll be making both 25 and 100 appearances. So you'd have to say that it's almost a guaranteed $155 million, and of course you hope that that other $5 million has to be paid because of Barcelona winning the Champions League. Well, Frances, last week when you were talking to Diana and what we had spoken about, you said, even on social media, that you and I differed on this in that uh, I was very anti the deal in January, which was true in a sense, but I just want to real quick before we get into the nitty-gritty, go on the record and say that I still believe that $160 million is too much for a player, and I have to understand, however, that that's the way the market works, and that just like we've been talking about for months now, Barcelona have added an instant starter, someone who in the future, being again only 25, should be one of their top three, four players in for the next few years now, and is the guy that Barcelona, in a sense, truly needed. So now that he's here, I have I'm excited that the player is here. I'm excited to watch Coutinho in a Barcelona uniform, and it's time to embrace him and also recognize that as much as we might disagree with the board, it's now the board's responsibility to figure out how to balance the books, clear some wages, and if they want to spend money on new players in the future, then the board has to figure out exactly how to get that done. And for Coutinho, I don't think he's the second coming of Iniesta. He's not the second coming of Xavi under Guardiola, but he does have a skill set that Barcelona currently don't have and is really going to be a important player for this team moving forward. So that's just my basic thoughts of it. I just want to get that off my chest, Frances. Absolutely. And I understand why you're doing that, because obviously reality proved you wrong in a way or proved you that the board was thinking differently. Um, I don't necessarily look at it as we spend 160 million euros. And let me, let's just notice that I haven't said 155 because, you know, we are going to win the Champions League in the next five years. Um, otherwise, this podcast is going to be very boring <laughs> and very non-productive for five years. So assume it's going to be 160 million, then Dembele is going to be 140 altogether. That's 300 million euros invested in two players, which in part, for the most part, have been paid by PSG. Now, I didn't want to lose Neymar in the summer, but the guy obviously thought that he wanted to develop his career in France playing against Montpellier and Nice and players like that. So, you know, full credit to him. I hope that he's enjoying that. Now, um, for 80 million euros, which is the rest of the money, we've got two players. Now, thinking about what Valverde has done this season, he has made the most of the the pieces that he's got. And as we said last week, the, the Barca don't really play very exciting football at all. But he's gotten a degree of solidity, a degree of robustness, a degree of officio which is know-how um to the team that was necessary and definitely very 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 welcome now moving forward creativity coming from coutinho that dynamism that vision that combination that's something that iniesta can bring obviously i'm not going to start comparing the two they are completely different players and in a way the finesse and the class that iniesta can bring i don't think coutinho has but at the same time Coutinho is much more capable of finding the opponent's net than Iniesta ever was. Now, fair enough, Iniesta has scored a lot of important goals, but he's not a goal scorer. He never has been. So I think because of that, um, Coutinho can be a different solution for Barca's attacking power. Now, in terms of Dembele as well, he's been 
um, good in the team so far. Obviously, still a little bit anxious, still a little bit raw. But I think by adding Coutinho and Dembélé, the team is much more solid, much more creative. And you could say that is deeper because now we don't necessarily have 11 starters. We've got 13, 14 starters. And that can only be good news moving forward. Yeah, statistically, you alluded to it that the goal scoring by Coutinho, particularly this year, has really been special. And if he can be the player that he has been for even having had two injuries already this year, if he's been the player that he's been for Liverpool this season, where he's had seven goals, seven assists in 14 Premier League appearances and five goals and two assists in five Champions League showings, that's the kind of player that that Barcelona is buying, hopefully. Because for me, I, I wondered when he was at Inter and of course he had spent six months in Espanyol as well, why didn't he catch on under Rafa Benitez at Inter? And the answer that keeps popping up is that throughout his career... He hasn't really had too many major injuries plaguing him, but his performances when he was younger in his early 20s were less than consistent, and that's why the Vasco da Gama-trained midfielder who was born in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, of course, back in 2012, he had a six-month loan with Espanyol, scored five goals and 16 appearances, so he was pretty good last time he was in the city of Barcelona playing. But then when he makes his way to Liverpool in 2013, which obviously he's only even 20 at that point, He's since then made 152 appearances and scored 41 goals. And even in his early career at Liverpool, consistency was the issue. And now the positive, I think, from all this is that now looking at it, since the player's already captured, it really is a good thing. And you are going to speak about, not to foreshadow this, but you and Isaiah get into the nitty-gritty of this a little more in the interview, is that Coutinho now has so much time to acclimate to Barcelona, the team and the way the team is playing. And I think there's nothing but a, a good thing, good things to come from that. He can finally figure out a way to get consistent. So even if you're not seeing his best game in and game out now, there's so much quality in the squad. There's not really pressure on him, particularly that he's not going to be in those big Champions League games. The, the integration of Coutinho is going to be a slow process, especially even starting out, he's 20 days out with a right thigh injury. So now he'll get a chance to get a feel of the land and of training. And of course, his he's friends already with Luis Suarez. He knows Rafinha from the Brazil. From Brazil, he's only a year older than him. And best case scenario, I think, is that Iniesta gets even more rest now and maybe even comes on as a sub occasionally, something that the Spaniard hasn't really done yet this season. And with Iniesta already having three different muscle injuries as well, just getting the chance to not get less playing time, but just get the rest when he should be fit later on in the season in May. And you have to say, that's what Real Madrid did with Ronaldo the last two seasons, taking him out of certain La Liga matches throughout the, the winter time. And it wound up paying dividends because Ronaldo was playing his best in May. And that's what we want from Iniesta at the age of 33. And so again, you can't go home with the point that Coutinho ineligible for the Champions League is a bad thing. You just have to find the best of it in that Coutinho is going to be a really important player in the Liga. And while Real Madrid 16 back with a game in hand, Atletico Madrid is still only 9 back and Valencia is still only 11 back. So again, Valverde is going to keep saying, and I have to trust the words of the coach, that the Liga isn't done just yet, but Coutinho can be the absolute reason why Barcelona can storm through the rest of La Liga and not have to overexert guys like Iniesta and Rakitic. And that is precisely why I thought that having this half a year before the five-year period, because obviously he signed for five and a half years, I thought that was the key reason why that was important. He's got six months ahead in order to prove his worth, but he doesn't have to do it in the bigger stage. Champions League is going to be, I would say, totally where Iniesta is going to play the vast majority of his games moving forward. Obviously, 
playing in La Liga, I would say 50, 55, 60 minutes is going to keep him in shape. But we're going to have a really fresh Iniesta uh, in the decisive stages in the Champions League, which hopefully we're going to have a really long run. And I would say we really should be looking at winning the whole Champions League this season. There is no reason to think that, obviously, with all due respect to Manchester City and all the major clubs in Europe, there is no reason to doubt that our team now, with the addition of Coutinho in La Liga, which obviously means Iniesta would be fresh. Dembélé is going to become more acclimatado, which means more used to um, being with his teammates and, and having that understanding in terms of mechanisms, in terms of runs, in terms of where to be. That's only going to be a positive. I want to cover the point about the too expensive um, comment that everyone's doing. Um, I was listening to our club that I meet, Janit, uh, which is the midday radio show covering Barca that airs in Catalonia Radio and TV3, which is the national um, station, TV station for Catalonia. And there was a poll in there, uh, which is very telling. It wasn't a, it was a Twitter poll, but obviously everyone who voted can't speak Catalan because obviously you wouldn't understand the, um, the poll anyway. 85% of voters, which is huge, actually said they were either excited or very excited about the signing of Coutinho. And it was only 7% of the locals in Catalonia that actually said he's too much money, he wasn't needed. So on the contrary to what many things that happen in Catalonia, the vast majority of the Catalan Barca fan base actually agrees that Coutinho is one of those cracks, you know, one of those special world-class players that Barca has always gone to sign. Because if you, if you go back in time, Cruyff was signed for a stupid amount of money in the 1970s. Romario was signed for way over the, his worth, market worth, in the 1990s. Uh, same happened for, with Ronaldo. We all know how that finished, obviously. But Ronaldo was signed for an incredible, incredible obscene amount. You can argue Rivaldo was as well. And this time, obviously, Barca has gone and paid, I would say, over the market value for Coutinho. Um, as I said before, this is Qatari money though, so we have to be cautious as to you know, how much sense the board has with spending money. But um, there's a very Catalan sort of deep-rooted culesse in, in, in Catalonia, which is als diners and hasta el camp, no al bank, which means money has to be on the pitch, not in the bank. And I think that's precisely what the board have thought. And now talking about the board as well, I think that you know, I've been very critical of the board over the years and I don't necessarily agree with everything they do. And let's just leave it at that. I, I'm not the biggest fan, but conversations with Coutinho started in 2015, according to the Catalan radio and the Catalan media. And they've been keeping in touch with them. Obviously, he's got the connections from Espanol because, you know, when you live in Barcelona, inevitably, if you're a good player for Espanol, you are going to have some ties with the Barca players as well. And I think that over the years, they've kept in touch, they've been updated, and it is important to know that um, a signing like this doesn't just happen with two, three phone calls. There is a lot of work going on throughout the years, and uh, I am happy that it did come to fruition. Well, that really brings us to well, how we're going to do this a little differently today by helping to answer La Gran Pregunta, which was what does Coutinho add to Barcelona? I think we said that statistically, but now comes the question of where he fits in the team. And we actually had so many questions, and so many in particular to Coutinho, we're going to basically have two La Rondas. This is the first, La Edición de Coutinho, de La Ronda. 
So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it this way. Then we're going to go and then we'll get back to the regular La Ronda where we'll cover the rest of the team because there's just so much about Coutinho today. Brilliant. I love that. The edición. I love that. So let's start with Chakib asked, how will Barcelona line up with Dembele and Coutinho? I'd love to answer this question, Frances, by not answering this question and saying that because of the slow integration that Coutinho is going to have into Barcelona, in the same way that Dembele is going to be slowly brought along and back from injury, as we're going to see, expect to see that 4-4-2 the way that Valverde is wanting to play so far. So I'd say expect to see that and have Coutinho basically just play where Iniesta was playing for the first half, at least, where he's playing over on that left midfield side and having the ability to cut in and play central when he'd like to. Then Paulinho's going to fill that space out wide. The fact that he can play so many different spots means that Valverde is going to have a lot of options as to what he does with his players. But as I said, expect the root of everything to still be that 4-4-2 with him on the left side. And then, as we've talked about, too, he could fit in as a in a 4-3-3 where... Due to injuries, let's say Messi needs to get be rested, you'll see maybe Coutinho play at the left wing, and that moves Suarez purely into that center striker role. And then you can have Dembele at his natural right wing position. Of course, that means that Messi would have to be rested, which he's been a little more accepting of this season as opposed to previous years. And as I said, I think Valverde is going to do a lot of different things. So there isn't a devout starting 11. This is the way it's going to look. Every match, I think it's going to depend on the matchups, as, as cop-out of an answer as that is. That was my answer as well. I think right now the starting eleven, if if it was me, it would be Ter Stegen on goal, it would be Semedo on right-back, it would be Alba as a left-back. In the center, for me, right now, it's Piqué and Umtiti. Obviously, he's injured, but you know he's coming back soon. In front of them, right now for me, is Busquets. And then I still keep Rakitic as a starter because of all the defensive work, and how he basically enables everyone around him to work. So I keep Rakitic in the team because of that. Then as an attacking interior on the left, I will have Iniesta. I will not have Coutinho yet. I will have Iniesta. And for me, the front three, if it was just me, Messi is playing on the right. Dembele is playing on the left. And Suarez is playing as a striker. Now that's if I was the manager, but for better or worse, I'm not. So I think what's going to happen is that ultimately, it's what you said, there's going to be 14 starters. So everyone that I just mentioned, plus Coutinho, obviously, Paulinho, who has become a key player playing the whole 90 minutes um, in the game of the weekend as well, and Sergio Roberto. And because of the flexibility that Coutinho, Paulinho and Sergio Roberto bring, so for me, any of those three players could be a starter at any given point and moving forward, Valverde is going to play around with it. The formation, I think he's confident, particularly when we're playing away from home with a 4-4-2. And I think particularly away from the Camp no, Paulinho is a must as a starter because of the physicality and the fact that somehow, and he said himself, I just run the opposite way that Messi runs. But because of the, his ability to drop into goal-scoring positions, that's, that's really powerful. A really difficult puzzle to solve but a really good puzzle to have 14 starters when last year, honestly, we only really had nine people that we could really trust. So it's a step forward. And Diawat had asked, 
who's your first choice best 11? And I would refer Diawat to that last question that you just answered because Frances gave his starting 11 and that's who he thinks he would pick. And and for me, he was kind of getting to the point that for Coutinho, he's not going to dictate the way Barcelona plays. I think the way they play is going to remain the same. And you had mentioned the team didn't really dominate the midfield against Levante, but that's not Paulinho's game to do that. It fits the way they're playing because the point is it's still going to be all about Messi. Messi's been the spectacular player who's helped the team to 15 wins in 18 matches with just the three draws. And for Valverde, the task can be integrate the new players into those subplot roles and just fit them in behind Messi. And he's still going to be the focal point. That's not going to change. That's the way that Barcelona are playing. Can I just say as well that I think it's a luxury for Valverde to be able to have two players that are cost arguably a combined 300 million euros who actually are not in a direct rush to be starters. Like throughout the years, I've been following Barca for pretty much 30 years. This makes me very old now but um, for nearly three decades. And every time there's been a huge signing that has been the world record transfer for the club, that has been the record signing for the club in terms of investment, the fans and the team has been desperate for them to be starters and to basically solve the situation out. Happens when Romario came, happened when Rivaldo came, definitely happened when Ronaldinho came. Now, that is not where we are right now. And I think that's a luxury that we should be counting our lucky stars for. And Peña Barcelona of Los Angeles also threw their two cents in saying, will Barcelona have to abandon the comfortable 3-4-3 or the 4-3-3 formations to field our best 11? And the Peña Barcelona, and I've seen a lot of people say the best 11 will probably be a 4-2-3-1 even, but to that I'd say that I think it's going to remain a 4-4-2 until further notice. And I'd be surprised if Valverde this season changes things up just again the way they're playing. If something's not broken, then don't try to fix it is obviously the old cliche. And I think that's what's going to be the way it works. And whether or not Coutinho plays one with Iniesta, I think that's a possibility too in the Liga or the Copa late in the season, depending on where Coutinho is integrated. As we said, that could force Iniesta back in the center of the field, which is nothing but a good thing to have him in his most natural position as he's been one of those few guys that you'd say Iniesta has been played out of position along with Suarez earlier in the year on the wing and now that Suarez has moved back in Iniesta is really the only guy playing where he's not most comfortable but again he's also Iniesta so he's going to be fantastic wherever he goes. Juan Ortega asked and this is a long post on Facebook so we we'd ask you to go on the Barcelona podcast on Facebook and check out the long question but he actually brings up a little bit of a conspiracy here to have us answer and he says with that Nike ad having come out previously that Barcelona is all about Nike and it seems that Roselle and Bartomeu are just interested in selling sweaters and what he brings up with this is the connection between Barcelona and getting Brazilian players into the club saying that Nike's recent sponsorship deal with Barcelona cost them $155 million per season, making it the biggest kick deal in the sport, while their $30 million a year deal with Brazil was the biggest in international football when it was signed in 2008. Barcelona also the most popular foreign club in Brazil, selling more shirts than any club except Flamengo and Corinthians. So he goes on about this, not conspiracy, but the fact that Paulinho was signed as a Brazilian not to sell shirts, but just He's, he also happens to be Brazilian, having lost Neymar, who sold a lot of shirts, and Coutinho's a guy that could sell even more shirts. Not the Neymar, but he's another Brazilian that can sell a lot of shirts as an attacking player. So he does kind of bring up this idea that, you know, it, could there be something more to all of this? Yes, I agree. I think that there, there is something in there. If you've got 
you're paying so much to make all the Barca clothing, obviously the Barca jerseys that the players play in, you'd rather have um, players who actually wear the Nike boots as well in the team. I am convinced there is something to do with that, um, which is why you know Nike have been trying to get Leo Messi away from Adidas from you know his 16th birthday, but they've just never been able to do that. Uh, I'm sure there's something with that, but then again, Coutinho is a player that um, is above that. He's a world-class player that has demonstrated and improved huge amounts uh, in terms of Liverpool, in terms of Brazilian national team. And I think his quality is above any conspiracies. I do think there's something of that, but um, not a decisive factor, I wouldn't think. All right, final Coutinho question, then we're going to do a rapid fire in the actual La Ronda. So on Instagram, Don J.P. Polanco asked, Coutinho is a great player, but at first he must gain our respect. Do you think he'd come, come back to haunt the team getting another superstar like, like this, Neymar 2.0? To that I say, Neymar was always expected to be the heir to Messi and all that comes with that, including Ballon d'Ors, etc., etc. Coutinho, in theory, is going to be brought in as a transition to technically replace Iniesta in the midfield. And I think you look at Iniesta's role... And hopefully that plays a part of that. So I don't think he's going to be expected to win Ballon d'Ors and have that kind of top Neymar pressure on him. No, not not straight away anyway. I think that Coutinho may very well go on and win the Ballon d'Or if he learns alongside Iniesta and you know he gets within the inner circle of Suarez and, and Messi up front. He could potentially be a Ballon d'Or winner, but to be honest, that doesn't really matter. It's all about collective titles and that's why he's decided to come to us. So we're going to end our first edition of La Ronda. And before we get to the second one, let's start our interview where Frances spoke to Isaiah from the Barcelona Football Blog. So welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, Isaiah. It is a pleasure to have you here after having followed your work for so many years at the Barcelona Football Blog. It really is a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Of course, of course. Um, now, having read your work for, I would say, nearly a decade now, um, it is, yeah, it's, it been, is, it's been a very long time. Been yes, a very long time. Same as me. I think we've all started around the same time. Um, it's clear that you've got a really in-depth knowledge of Barca and what it means to be a Mexican club and, and all the history behind. So um, how did you become involved with Barca and uh, basically where does your passion and interest come from? Well, you know, I think the it all started definitely with the hat trick from Rivaldo against Valencia in 2001. Um, that was the, that was like the moment, you know, I feel like most fans have some sort of, if, if they don't grow up in Barcelona, they don't grow up around a specific club, they, they, they probably have either a player or a specific moment that really, that really did it for them, really cemented that. I was just, I grew up in the Midwest in the United States and that was, soccer was a thing that people played, but they didn't follow it really. Um, it was also the late nineties and early two thousands. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that was really available. I couldn't just turn on the TV and watch whatever I wanted. So I watched sort of replays of matches and one of them, and I had no idea what, what had happened in them. <laughs> you know, it was just before the internet was really a big deal. Uh, all of that. So I, you know, I watched Rivaldo score that hat trick, you know, with the, 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 the Chilena to, and, and that was, that was it. I don't know. That was, that's where it all started for me. So absolutely, I and mean, how much things have changed as well. Because as spectacular as Rivaldo's Chilena was in the very last minute, very last match, I think it was against Valencia, and I believe yeah. it was five four 
in the end. We only got qualification for the Champions League as a result. It wasn't a title winning game <laughs> right. at all. Right, exactly. And yeah, yeah, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even the thing. It wasn't like, yeah, some big trophy right afterwards. It really wasn't. I think it's because of um, our 2000s weren't necessarily successful, especially the first part of. And uh, Rivaldo hopefully changed that a little bit for the better and then for you know better things to come with Ronaldinho etc so um let's move forward to what's happening now I mean the big news is that Coutinho has finally after months of negotiations and rumors and endless press releases from both sides um, has been confirmed and making him the most expensive player in Barca's history now what are your thoughts on the signing I think my main thought is thank god it's over I just don't want to deal with this anymore. You know, I don't, I'm not into transfer sagas. That's not something that really interests me. I'd rather see, you know, I'm happy to talk transfers and I'm happy to discuss what player would be good where. But if you have a player and you want to get him, I'd hate the back and forth in the media. I hate all of the the stories, the rumors, the, you know, what if this, what if that, you know, now. So I'm super happy it's over. That's my main my main thought about him, I, I haven't really watched a ton of uh, of football in the last year or so in terms of, you know, I used to watch, I don't know how many matches a week, you know, it used to be, it used to be 20 matches a week from 20 different teams. I, I don't know. Um, now it's, you know, now it's Barca and uh, if I'm lucky, I'll see two other matches. Um, rarely do I get to watch very much you know, back-to-back-to-back matches to really see how somebody's doing. Coutinho seems like a good player. I hope he is for 160 million euros. And that is the key, isn't it? 160 million euros. I mean, they're saying it's 120 plus 14 variables, but those variables, because of the successful season that we've got already, they're quite likely going to be achieved. Right, yeah. I mean, it's always the question, right? Whether you have, yeah, whether you're talking about it's going to be a success on the field or a success financially, um, I don't know. Obviously, the financial thing is going to come based on a lot of factors. Whether he's worth it or not, I think matters whether he integrates well with the team. And and that's the risk of any transfer. I mean, if you have a transfer for 5 million euros, nothing's a given there either. So you're trying to buy yourself some sort of guarantee or some sort of assurance that that a player is going to be of a particular quality it's hard to know uh i mean you look at look at the fact that we have two major signings that haven't really integrated into the team you know so you have coutinho obviously and that and also dembele Mm -hmm. so who it's going to be hard to recognize this team in six months it's going to be a it's going to be completely different because of how they've integrated it i i think that they allow a lot more flexibility tactically but uh, it, you know watching today's match for instance against Levante it, it, Dembele clearly isn't there yet he's not he's not able to just step into a role and change everything in one one moment he's he's got to learn the repetitions he's got to learn exactly where his his outlets are going to be uh, and Coutinho is going to be the exact same you know I think that's why you buy him now rather than in six months yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Um, Dan, my co-host, sort of disagreed in a previous episode um, in which we had that Diana coming as a, as a guest, as I'm sure you know. Um, and he was saying that he wanted Coutinho to join in the summer because it would make more sense. And Diana was saying the same. It would make more sense for the player himself. Uh, World Cup year, having a change, you know, six months before, couldn't settle his chances and, and his form as well. Um, Barca, 
you know, he's not going to play in the Champions League because he can't because he's played for Liverpool already. So the Liga, we've got a great advantage anyway. So in a way, do you think he was needed? I mean, it, it's really hard. It's, it's hard to know because, yeah, I don't like the cup tied thing. That's not good. But I think the flip side of that is that if he is being brought in to replace Iniesta, I mean, this is this is a, a player that's been, I don't know, a key factor in the success of the club for a decade or more, really. Mm-hmm. And you need time to integrate into that. And it almost doesn't matter when he starts as long as he starts, you know, integrating the sooner you can get that the better he is going to be able to play this isn't one of those weird Arda Turan situations where you know where he can't play for six months or you know I mean I could have used Alex Vidal as well I guess but it's it's not one of those situations he's going to get repetitions he's gonna play in the Copa he's gonna play in uh in the league and then you know with the Champions League if we're really valuing the Champions League a lot giving giving Iniesta a break uh, or giving other midfielders a break during the league, you know, very long season at 38 matches, you're only 20 in, right? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's plenty of playing time available there, especially if you're trying to push for Champions League, especially in January and February, if you're trying to integrate him, integrate him in a league that we're up uh, on our rivals by nine plus points. Um, you know, you really want to to bring him in and, and let him have kind of space to grow. He can make a couple of mistakes in the league. It's, if it costs us three points, it costs us three points, not a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's To me, that makes sense. The other factor, I think, that and the major driving one to me is I, I think it's a gamble on Coutinho's abilities. And the fact that the World Cup is coming up, he's only going to get more expensive is what I think they're they're gambling on. Yeah, that was my thought as well. I thought that... If you've got a World Cup coming, there's going to be ma- there's a lot of eyes on him anyway. There's going to be many more eyes, potential suitors. I mean, I don't really put too much weight on reports coming out of the Catalan or Madrid media, but the Madrid media asked this morning, um, tweeted that basically there was a 200 million euro offer from Madrid trying to um, change his mind at the very last minute. I don't know how how much we can read into that, but you know that's the the age of the internet as you described earlier. So I was yeah, just... I mean, if 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 you have players moving for 180 million euros, you're suddenly you're asking for premium talent. It's going to cost 180 million euros. That's already happened. We're already there. That's 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 what it is. That's the cost now. If you know, and you get into the question right there of what kind of what kind of fan are you in a way? Are you looking? for a club that's going to build based on youth products and really push youth products. And you don't mind having a couple of those stutter steps where you don't have a generation that's totally incredible. You know, and I think you can use an example there. Uh, Athletic Bilbao is a, is a great example. They don't really go outside of 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 what they decide, they, you know, and that's 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 what they get to choose and they can and they can do that. But if you're going to be the type of fan who says, I want trophies, and not getting trophies is a huge negative, well, then you're going to have to spend mm-hmm. a ton the, of money to, to get to that level. That's, that's how much it costs now. Exactly. I totally agree. That's the price now. And that's um, whether we agree or not, that's the reality of it. Um, you did exactly. mention La Masia a little bit in passing there. Do you think we're losing yeah. the essence of the club? Because, you know, Alanya Arnaiz played today the last seven, eight minutes. And he did okay, but, you know, that's not a lot of time. Alanya, already 19 years old, which is 
obviously one year younger than Dembele. Actually, he's 20 already. He became 20 this week. Happy birthday. Um, but <laughs> pretty much the same age. And then again, he hasn't made it out of Barca B yet, despite being sort of the most under-the-radar youngster we've got. So is Barca losing their essence? I, You know, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a tough question because... It depends on how you define their essence and what you want out of it. A lot of a lot of people who are commenting now, and and this is going to be a generational question in a way, kind of grew up on the 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 sudden emergence of all Masia starting lineups, or you you have eight players from La Masia and you know starting a, a Champions League final. It's sort of it's sort of hard to keep that up because that was a golden generation. And I think it's pretty clear that that was a golden generation. You can ask Manchester United about that. They had a golden generation and, and now what it's now, you know, it's kind of the give and take on that. Um, my biggest issue with La Masia is actually that I think that Luis Enrique didn't do a good job with it. It's, it's sort of unfair in that sense that, Oh, blame everything on a previous guy. But, I even felt at the time that he was trying to change what type of player was coming out of La Masia, and that caused a lot of uh, a lot of systemic problems. And if you have those systemic problems, you're not going to have a big crop, and that's going to cause you to have to go back into the market repeatedly in order to fill those gaps if you're trying to win a Champions League every year. You're trying to compete for every title every time. You're going to have to fill those gaps. La Masia can only produce so many players, especially if you're if you're you know trying to keep it in a local context. There's only so many people in Catalonia, right? Like there's only so many kids, and they can not all of them are going to be the greatest player in the history of the world. If we talk about Xavi, for instance, being a once in a generation talent. Well, then he's once in a generation, and that means that in one generation there might be another guy like him. There aren't going to be five of him coming up in the same system. It, it's, it's tough to say. I I personally would rather see more investment in in the youth and, and even give up trophies to develop them. But that's clearly not, not how a lot of people see it, and it's clearly not how the board sees it either. Yep, and based on um, the variables that have been coming out of the two big signings, Dembele and Coutinho, we're probably looking at 300 million euros invested on just two players. There's been criticism on social media. I mean, there's always criticism in social media, isn't there? But, uh, there yeah, were... like, what can you say? What can you say that's not going to be criticized? Absolutely, that's... nothing, nothing. But um, some people were commenting quite a lot on the Real Madrid sort of galactical-like signings that Barca are doing and the fact that there's a lot of money just on two players. Um, what do you have to say to that? I don't think it's I don't think it's unfounded. I think that there's sort of the difference to me is that if you're going to what what felt like Madrid's concept was was to find the person who had the greatest star power at that point and bring them in. That's slightly different from what I think Barcelona is doing in that they're trying to fill gaps in a squad and they're trying to fill them at an elite level. It's slightly different. Um, I'd say that Madrid now is doing more of the filling gaps than they are bringing in pure star power and i think that's an important difference uh the galactico era was in a way wasn't saying like zinedine zidane is the best player in the world let's bring him in it was zinedine zidane is the greatest star let's bring him in mm -hmm. I, I think that's different i think it's different it's it's not it's not functionally different in a way like you still are spending 300 million euros on two players and that's I mean, that's insane. I think that is so much money, and it's it's hard to kind of wrap your head around that. And if you want to be, you know, the 
fiscally conscious person, you're going to say, wow, that's so much money. But if you're trying to bring in talent and the talent costs this, that's what you're doing. And, and obviously the, the, the big question is what you're trading for that. Are you trading shirt sponsorships, stadium sponsorships? What are you doing for that money? Where is that money coming from? And, and I think that's, that's probably my biggest issue with that. I'd rather see the, the club maintain its kind of local nature in a way. I don't want naming rights on the stadium. Um, I don't want, I don't want to see uh, the shirt sponsor. I don't, you know, I'm still unhappy with that, but that's the trade-off, right? I'm, I am on record saying I'm willing to trade trophies for these, for these concepts. But, uh, if you, if your entire purpose is to win trophies, they are going about it the way the only, only way that's really possible in today's modern era. Definitely. It's all about money at the end of the day when you want to be competing at those that high level, especially if La Masia has been slightly neglected or not producing at the level that we were, say, five, ten years ago. Um, let's sure. Get... I mean, like, how many how many Argentine like midgets are there going to be out there that you're going to bring in and they turn out to be the best player in the world? That's going to happen once every never. That's never going to happen. And suddenly it does happen. That's magic. That's just going to, I mean, what are you supposed to do about that? La Masia didn't produce that player in a way that you got lucky that it, that he didn't end up staying in Argentina and, and just being this incredible player that appeared. And imagine Messi on the open market right now. If Messi hadn't been brought in by Barcelona, he's on the open market. How much is that guy worth right now? That's kind of what you're you're dealing with with La Masia. They, you know, there were a couple of strokes of luck there, and it's not all luck either, because obviously developing players like Tavi Iniesta, Busquets, uh, you can go, and obviously Messi, but like you know, Piquet, Pedro, you know, there's a good whole slew of players. What, uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to say whether La Masia is doing well or badly because we have to let these players develop. You have to see where, I don't know, Samper ends up, where Arnaiz ends up, where Alenia ends up before saying that there isn't that there's a lack of player absolutely i, I really do hope that alanyan arnaiz can become f- first teamers at least from next season and then continue. oh i certainly hope so too i want to see nothing but masia players i would love 11 masia starters that would be phenomenal I, it's and I, that would be my that would be my dream there but uh it's not particularly practical if you're trying to compete for the champions league last question then do you trust valverde to take barca to the treble this season I, yeah, I mean, well, all right. This is a really tough question because uh, the treble to me is kind of this holy grail that is has been created. I mean, we've done it twice, right? Absolutely. It's, and that's a lot of times. <laughs> right. I mean, that's two more times than I ever would have expected to have it happen in my lifetime. And it's just, I, I don't know, there's just some level at which I, I can't get into the, the mode of really even believing that it's possible again, because it's just, it's just so unreal. It's just not a, I don't know, it's hard to describe in a way, but you watch it happen and it's just, it's like, this cannot possibly be real. This cannot possibly be happening. And then when it happened a second time, I, I was, oh, I, what? No way. You know, I, I was in Berlin for that Champions League final and I was, you know, just, it was incredible that that could, I had just experienced this a few years before and now it's happening again. No way. So could he do it? Yeah, he could do it in the sense that the players that he has at his disposal are absolutely unbelievable. He's clearly a very good uh, manager. He's clearly got a tactical approach that he wants to instill on the team. And the team currently is buying into it. Could they do it? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. It, it strikes me that Valverde is really using the Copa to train up the kids. And you're going to lose that a lot of times. But that's exactly what I want the Copa to be. 
I want the Copa to be where you have the kids go in, you blood them, you know, you get your Masia kids. And I think that's really the genius that Guardiola was able to to instill in everybody else, just the ability to bring in kids and, and not only have them win the tournament, but actually teach them how to play in a system in games that didn't quote unquote matter in the same way. And then to go out and, and do that, you know, to have them do that and then almost do it again and then have it happen a couple of years later. That's enough for me. Whether it hap- If it happens, great. I, I'm on record stating time and time again that the Liga's number one, Champions League, two, Copa, three. We don't win the Copa, we don't win the Copa. That's life. Yes, and that's the, th- the one that we seem to be winning every year. I think we've won the last three Copas in a trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, we keep winning it and I don't seem to care about it anymore than, 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 than before. So um, it's kind of it kind of feels one of those things where you're like, oh just the Copa like you'd have all these other teams who would you know, murder their their aunts and uncles in order to win a Copa and <laughs> you know we're just throwing it away we keep winning it and we're like whatever you guys want this trophy sure yeah. do you remember <laughs> during the Mourinho time at Madrid um when they beat us in the Copa the Ray final that Sergio Ramos ended up throwing under the bus that that seemed like you know the world had stopped that day and uh, it was the <laughs> biggest game in the universe but there you go let them celebrate that I know, right? Yeah, I do remember that. And that was actually very funny. And I I do enjoy remembering it from time to time uh, because that was one of their only trophies from from that entire entire era. Although Mourinho will never admit to that, will he? It was like no. it was a fantastic trophy and it was really even. It really wasn't, man. It was the Pep Guardiola era and you didn't even come close. So, um, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, Guardiola is the, the gold standard now. Um, and this is the thing. I think I tell you, it sounded like I was talking poorly about Lucho before, but I actually really liked Lucho too. It's just a different – it was a different approach and, and, and an approach that I increasingly disliked throughout his time there. Um, and I think it does – and it goes back to your Masia question. He clearly didn't trust La Masia to, to produce the players that he wanted. In the future, are we going to see that? I hope so because Valverde seems to be much more interested in, in the youth and, and bringing those particular players up. And I think that's a stylistic question. Lucho seemed to be much more direct action. I mean, that's I think we saw it in his signings. But yeah, we'll see, right? Yeah, and when he started, he had a purpose and he knew what he wanted to do. Um, he had a really strong front three that were firing in all cylinders and he maximized that. But obviously, after the second, third year, then you know another, sh- another change was needed. And the sh- obviously... That worked for the better because Valverde's taking the team unbeaten and doing a very good job. So, um, Asaya, that's all the time that we've got for today, unfortunately. Um, oh, well, that's all right. Thanks for having me for the for the time I got. Of course. Um, it is an absolute pleasure. And after so many years of reading your work, it really means a lot that you took the time to be here. So, where can our listeners follow your work online? Also, uh, I'm always writing uh, BarcelonaFootballBlog.com uh, and uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, FCBFootballBlog. So I am, uh, I'm available uh, on that all the time. I'm probably on my phone commenting far too often for my wife's pleasure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm around. Uh, definitely, if, you, if, you, if anybody has any questions or wants to yell at me about this, uh, social media is the perfect place to do that. Absolutely. So thank you very, very much and uh, all the best. Forza Barca. All right. Thanks. Take care. A lot of great stuff there, Frances, from Isaiah. Particularly, I like the way he looked at the Champions League and the importance of winning those titles and whether or and that pull between the academy and winning Champions Leagues and, again, kind of what the purpose of the club is. And, again, that's, that's a, an ongoing dialogue that 
that Kool-Aids have had. And again, I really like the way Isaiah set that up. So let's move to La Ronda de Preguntas in rapid fire succession. Now, first, I've got some Barcelona B notes real quick without Jose Arnaiz. Abo Ruiz got the start on the wing and scored a goal in the 1-1 draw against Real Zaragoza. It also saw the debut of Sergio Gomez, the 17-year-old winger who won the silver ball at the U-17 World Cup in India. Barcelona B, however, remain in 19th place with 21 points, two points below the relegation line, so they still do have some work to do. Barca Femini, on the other side, ended the first half of their season with a 5-0 win over Levante and a first-place tie with Atletico Madrid, as we were following before the Christmas holiday, and they've got 14 points tied with Atletico Madrid ahead on goal differential, so they are in a good spot, continuing to bang in goals with the kind of quality they have. Now for the questions. First from Derek, who's gutted, and I agree with Derek on this one, gutted for Sergi Samper. If you didn't see this news, this was the one bad news, big, big bad news story that came out of Barcelona this week. Out for the season with Las Palmas after a terrible ankle injury, has already had surgery in Barcelona, and this is unfortunate because he played really well against Valencia in the Copa del Rey. I watched that whole game, and he really did do exactly what we we were always promised that he would be doing in controlling the midfield. And that was in the Copa del Rey last week. And then he got his second La Liga start of the season and looked to be a favored player under new manager Paco Jemez. Awful, awful for a player that turns 23 in a little over a week. And kind of like Isaiah was saying, Luis Enrique and the staff deserve, I think, some of the blame. He was playing the third division with Barca B, then goes out on a failed loan to Granada. And while injuries have plagued him, I think the question then, Frances, as I've thrown in my two cents on this as, as well as I've, as we, I've asked this question, is it time yet to, to give up on San Pierre? Um, no, I would say the answer to that is no. Um, I, I want to say at the start that obviously it is heartbreaking. Um, Sergi Samper has been for many, many years tipped to be the next Busquets and, and he was always going to be a first teamer. But I think we need to sort of give it a little bit of perspective here. Um, when Iniesta joined Barca uh, in Infantil B, as, as listeners know, my brother was there. So, you know, I can talk from experience. We actually didn't think Iniesta was the best t- player in the team. We thought Jorge Troiteiro, who was a striker, who um, in a way had long hair like the young Leo Messi. We thought he was going to be the star. We thought he was going to be the one getting to first team level. But then things happen throughout the years, uh, whether it's an injury, whether it's at those levels a growth spurt. You know, <laughs> some people, uh, some kids, when they get to Barca, they're still very short and they, you know, it takes forever for them to grow and then they sort of get left behind. And in a way, it's life. You know, I think Samper had everything to, to get to first team level. And because of injuries, I would say Luis Enrique didn't put much faith in him. But then again, the player has to be showing that consistently week in, week out in training. And for whatever reason, Luis Enrique didn't think that he was going to be a starter for his team. Um, his loan choices have been terrible. You know, Granada and I would say even Las Palmas now is not a bad choice for him. They're not the best fits. But then again, in football, as in life, you need to make choices and things and, and, and time goes by. And things you do always have effect. Uh, and if there's accidents, there's incidents, there's things that happen, there's disagreements, there's people who want to put you down. And unfortunately, it's not a great time for, for Samper to be injured. But then again, he's 23. He will recover from this. And then it will be up to him to to go back and bounce back. He may become a Barca legend. He may not. But then I think what he needs to fight for now is his recovery and then worry about his long-term um, presence 
in professional football. And if it's a Barca, I'll be delighted. If it's not, I, I just want him to be the best player he can be and have a good, successful career ahead of him, wherever that is, hopefully with us. All right, we'll continue to pick up the pace. Bruno asks, with the arrival of Yuri Minia from for $11.5 million as a replacement for Javier Mascherano, instead of reportedly signing him in June for $9 million, they wrapped up the deal of the Colombian defender playing for Palmeiras now. What do you like about that? And the answer is easy, that Barcelona have been scouting him for a while, so he seems to be that player. And if he's the kind of player that Umtiti was, this is going to be a great deal of business for just $11.5 million. Definitely. And also, Barca had a preferential, they have a preferential by option with Palmeiras uh, over Jerry Mina and a couple more players, actually, over the last two years. And I think that it's great that it finally does come to fruition. Um, 11.5 million, given the current market, you know, you would buy Coutinho's eyebrows for that money. <laughs> so um, it's good um, in terms of price. Also, his potential salary, I think, is 3 million euros per year, which is, you know, within. Uh, range and I think the priority now needs to be offloading players uh, but I think in terms of, of um, Jerry Mina when he comes to us if Mascherano as predicted does leave for China I think it's good business I still would say I would trust La Masia but you know I've said that every single week and no one's listened to me <laughs> but um, yeah let's just hope that he can learn alongside PK and Umtiti because he's got really good role models there and see what happens Charlie Barca asks, is Iniesta happy with the situation he is in or he's going to be like Xavi likely and leave? I would say that he's delighted to have someone else in the squad that adds quality and that he gives him the chance to win more trophies. Um, Iniesta, as any Barca player who actually truly loves the club, wants the best for themselves, obviously, but the club. So I think that he, knowing that he's got a successor in the making, is going to enable him to mentor him, coach him, and move things forward for the club and himself. So I would say no. I would be disappointed if it was, actually. Patrick asks, what do you prefer, Delefeu loan or just sell him? I say sell him for the right price, but if you don't get the right price, and particularly to Inter Milan, where it seems like he's going to wind up, then you have to go with the loan. So that's an easy answer to that one. Burton asked, how serious is the threat of Umtiti leaving for better pay? I would say at 60 million euros, he's a bargain. Um, I think he's the most promising young centre-back with experience that there is in world football. And I think Bartomeu's next step needs to be uploading other to run first so we can actually <laughs> pay our players, then um, up, the, up the buyout clause from TT. Hase asked, is Barcelona making a mistake getting rid of Alessio Vidal? And he says that because Vidal has been reportedly the only player that Barcelona might be able to sell on for any amount of of income to be brought back. And so he says that he's a fantastic squad player capable of playing anywhere on the right. And I'd say that we're in a situation now, having brought in Coutinho and Dembele, that time is going to be tough. And if it was worth money for now, you have to pull the trigger. Yep, agreed. I think that the Clase Media, so the average players that have been signed in the last couple of years, need to go. I think Barca, with the signing of Coutinho, they're at 82% of the budget for the year being paid to players and I th- that's absurd you you can sustain that so your Arda Turans, Andre Gomez, Alex Vidal, um, even Alcácer you can throw in there, Deo Lufeo, even Rafinha, Denis Suarez even you just have to clean up and make sure that the wage bill goes down and you make as much money from the sales of those players moving forward because otherwise the club's unsustainable. Namdi asked exactly that question why is it so difficult for us to offload fringe players like Arda Douglas and Vidal and you know he says the wage bill is the problem and the answer to that is that other 
clubs have the leverage. And Tehran, he's a player who's not in form, not playing at all. And so other clubs aren't going to spend $30 million for him. Also on that, we pay them a lot. You know, Arda Tehran gets paid a fortune for sitting um, <laughs> on, not even on the bench, on the stands uh, eating pipas, which are sunflower seeds, Catalan snack. And it's outrageous. You know, I think players have got it very easy uh, if they're not ambitious to just sit there and, and rest in the laurels. And we have to stop that. So let's just trust the board so they can get this sorted because it's it's a mess. Blessed Guaybo, and we thank you for being one of our Patreon asks. I'd say a loan for Gomesh instead of a sale or sale with a buyback clause and potential is better. And particularly in his most recent outings, however, he's been the best player he's been so far for Barcelona. And I would say it's a small sample size. But Gomez seems to have turned a corner recently. And so if you're able to sell him on too as well, you have to do it. Yes, I think if, if anyone gives us more than the 35 million we paid for him, we have to sell him because he wasn't in the 14 players that we mentioned earlier in the show. So my 15th player in the Barca squad, I would sell for 35 million. No doubt. If, if, if there's a good offer, he needs to go. And finally, Gashi asks, are we losing our identity with this big money transfers and I think you and Isaiah kind of did answer that that in a sense yes I mean you can try to compare it to the Los Galacticos eras as Francesa and Isaiah had spoken about but in the same sense to be one of those top three four clubs in the world to be expected to win Champions League and the Liga and these incredible trebles and even going back to the the season when six trophies were won to have those kind of expectations is going to take money being spent and unfortunately if you're going to be one of these top clubs, you have to spend money. And that's just the reality of, of the market. I think it's how you move forward now. If the next signings are Alanya and Arnaiz next summer, that's fine. You know, because Arnaiz will learn from Messi, from Coutinho, from Suarez, from Dembélé. And Alanya is learning from the very best, Iniesta, obviously Coutinho as well. Uh, you've got Rakitic around him. So it's all about how we move forward. I don't mind because Barca has always throughout the history bought expensive players but is what you surround them with. And if you're also going to surround them with expensive, highly paid, average players, like we seem to have done in the last couple of years, then the club will be unsustainable and, and basically it's going to be even more disastrous. So it's all about moving forward, putting La Masia first. We want to thank everybody for the questions. There might even have been, with the number that came in, there might have even been some I missed this week, and we do apologize if we didn't get to yours. But keep asking. We like to answer all the questions we possibly can and have time for in our show. So, again, thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, comment, or support the show in any of the ways I talked about at the top. And thanks so much for listening again to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No which again this week was Coutinho, so a pretty hot one as we finally, finally, finally ended the Coutinho transfer saga. I'm so excited, Frances, and that gets me to say, Forza Barca. Forza. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.